So uh, we have seen everything we did this week. Everybody did an awesome job for our incredible volunteers. Thank you so much. To our children, congratulations you for finishing a whole week of DPPS, right? So uh, it's wonderful, it's adorable. You've seen on the, uh, on the slideshow how our kids are, are, are doing and they've been so fun and cute and adorable in all the things that they have created. They have designed their own shirts, can you see that? And they have seen and danced races and I hope you would appreciate that. And they've learned many stories this past uh, week. So today for our time together, I wanted to talk about children and God's uh, mission. So help me out children again, especially for the juniors, to tell everybody here what we've learned is kind of a recap. So day one we talked about J uh, David. David what praises God, right? As a marvelous creator. And then God prepared and chosen him to be king of Israel. Right? We know that. And who is and God promised him that a king will come after him who will rule forever. We say that, right? King is, and what does a king does do? Yes, David. A king rules. See that? A king rules over the people. And we've learned that God comes a king after David to rule forever. And who is the next king that we've talked about? Yes? Who? Who is the king? After King David, who's the king that we've talked about? <laughs> Junior? Who's the next king? Who's the king that we talked about on the three? Jesus is the king. And he is the Messiah. There you go, the primary knows it. Jesus is the Messiah. So he saves us. Being our Messiah, he saves us from being sinful. And he is working in us right to be like him to be holy like him and then jesus gave us a mission and he promised us a helper to be with us and that's our last lesson who's the helper to be with us to go on to the mission the holy spirit will be uh, with us and help us through and what is the mission that we talked about on on the room upstairs remember the mission station we talked about this mission what did we say about mission? You tell me. The mission is what? What is a mission? Yes. See? Traveling. Because we talked about the first person who traveled, the first missionary basically, is the Apostle Paul. And I told these little kids when they came into the station that Paul traveled. That's why they remember that he's traveling into all these four cities to talk about uh, Jesus, who is our Savior and he, who is the Messiah. So basically, uh, mission is about carrying God's, uh, carrying the Great Commission, right? That's the mission. People have to know that Jesus is what? Jesus is the Messiah. He is our Savior. And many believe that's a result, and together they gather like we do, and we call it church. And what else did the Apostle Paul do, remember? 
What else did the Apostle Paul did? He wrote what? What did he do on first day on my station? Yes, Argo. He made the Bible. What else? What did he do? He. I only have one student. Only Dante. <laughs> How many? What? What is the important thing that we talked about that the Apostle Paul did? He wrote many. He wrote what? Letters. He wrote letters, and those letters are compiled and now part of our new Testament, right? <laughs> okay. So the apostle Paul did this. He wrote letters to all these uh, churches that he planted, or some letters are are directed to uh, people, and. And we read that part of letter today, uh, Elliot recited it actually, and those are key verse of, for today's entire BBS and for you guys. So part of that letter is his letter to the church in Ephesus. And you know guys, the children knows uh, geography. Some of them, they would like, oh, Ephesus is what today? Where is my, I have one student who is really, really good at that. He would say Babylonians, Iraq, Persia is uh, Iran, right? And Ephesus is in uh, Turkey today. So we did a lot of that, and we've read in our uh, text today, Ephesians 2, verse what? There you go. For we are God's workmanship, or in other translations, we are God's masterpiece, Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand or in advance for us to do. So that's for all of us, kids and us. Okay? So in this letter to the believers in Ephesus, Paul is helping his readers to understand the dimension of God's eternal purpose and grace. Everybody in this room, we have a task. God has prepared a good work for us to do. So, look around. This is our family. Look at these children among us, all of us, we belong to. This is our family in Jesus. So, everybody in this room, we have a task and a mission. God has prepared a good work for us to do, and it's specific, specific to each one of us. So, we are all to be partakers of that uh, mission. Children are a huge part of this, and that's the point of my talk uh, this morning. That's the only my introduction. So, again, first we find there. Did you not learn all the times? I'm good. <laughs> okay. Look at our children um, who is sitting in front of us. What would we want for them? We wonder what's in store for them. They too are God's masterpiece, a work of art. In human experience, we all go through childhood, right? And I always hear, hear this, and I say it myself too. Children are different nowadays. We usually hear that, right? That phrase. And I've been pondering about this uh, because I've been I've been taking courses on child development, early faith foundations, how children process information, 
how they process hurt and trauma, uh, children who are at risk. And I'm saying that no, children are not different today. We go through the same human development. We go through the same stages and face the same challenges in a certain developmental stage. But the thing is, culture is making it different. The culture and context uh, in which they live is certainly not the same from the generation, from our generation. So the manifestation, for example, of being a teenager may look different. They behave different. It's because the culture is making it different. The culture is different. So they're manifesting a little uh, differently. That's why we're saying, iba ang mga bata uh, my point is, we should pay attention to how we interact with them, the language we use, because as I said, the same teenage challenges, for example, but in an entirely different culture. Like, for example, a culture today, it's very instant, microwaves, very readily available. Society is becoming pluralistic. How do I say that one? But the rise of education, with emphasis on pleasure, individuality, equality, even beauty, they are defining beauty differently. So this leads me now to a couple of things I want to share uh, this morning. One thing I would say to they have very easy access to information. And how are we helping them uh, sift or you know filter those information that they get? Uh, so number one point for parents, right? Nurturing children, listen children so that if your parents are not doing what I said today, you talk. Okay? <laughs> so number one is nurturing children. Nurture your child appropriate to their developmental stage. Have you ever wondered Jesus' childhood be like? Did, did, did it came across to your mind to some parents? Luke, in his gospel, gave us a bit of that. In Luke 2, chapter 2, verses 52, he said, Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, in, and man. So we see four categories here. Jesus is growing in wisdom, and that's learning. Jesus is growing intellectually. Stature, physically. He started from a young boy, too, and grew physically. So we, are in that, we go through that stage as well. And he is in favor with God. Right? So that's spiritual. He's growing spiritually. And lastly, in favor with man. Which means, you see, which means to say he's socially, right? Growing uh, and relating to uh, humankind. Can you imagine for the mothers here, Mary being raising the Son of God? So you don't know, maybe for mothers and fathers, maybe you're raising the next Prime Minister of Canada. You'll never know who these kids will become. You might be raising the next pastor of this church who will continue on the mission, on the ministry. You don't know if you're raising a child who would stand for the truth or a lawyer who would know how to make policies that are pro-Christian. <laughs> right? So be, be encouraged with that. Because in our text it says we read, God has prepared a good work in advance for our children and for us as a parents. God has something for your child. And how are you participating in that? How are you partnering with God in that? If you're a Tito, grandma, whatever, 
whatever your role is in a child's life. Uh, think about that. Uh, I heard Mark Laurie during one of our Chapo service. Uh, he is a songwriter who penned the lyrics, Mary, did you know? That's a classic Christmas song. You know that, right? That song came about from the many conversations he had with his mom. And that's a legacy that will carry on for, for Mark Laurie and his uh, mom. So, again, to parents, remember, your child is given to you for a time, for a season. We know that already. I'm not saying new things here. And soon, soon enough, or you don't even realize soon enough, you will launch them to the world. Like you're preparing these kids, they're here with you. But sooner or later, you can realize you are sending them out when they go to school. It starts with school age and then university and all those kind of things. So remember, you have these kids in a certain period of time, in a certain developmental stage. So make opportunities, uh, make those moments count. They are, so don't just think that they are just your child, gift given by God, but they are the next gospel bearer to the next generation to come. So I know that this can be challenging, daunting, to say the least, but think it as just a season in your family life. You are participating in God's working in the lives of your children. So again, my question is, how do we provide nurture that is appropriate to their ability and stage of development? How are we understanding our children's question about life, meaning, and purpose? And I appreciate some, some parents who would come to me and we try to uh, understand their child's uh, question. Uh, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses uh, 6 and 9. This is, a, this, is a this is a charge actually to parents. This is the command that teach this to your uh, children. We're picking up uh, on verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So it's like a daily, embedded in your daily undertaking, takings. And it's not necessarily the, a formal uh, Bible study in your house. So I want to point out, teaching happens at home, primarily, parents. Secondly, at church, to us, from us. So basically, even in our Sunday school, it's more on uh, knowledge-based. You know, we teach them the Bible, we teach them foundational truth in the Bible. It's kind of a formal Bible study, but at home, right? But at home, there are many teaching moments that you do. You use your everyday undertakings to be an object lesson so that this truth will, will drive, will be nailed in your hearts. They would remember better when you do those things and be mindful of those opportunities. Are you still with me, children? Wow, that's so good. Awesome. <laughs> Secondly, that I want to point out is church is your greatest ally for raising your children. Whether you like it or not, the church plays an important role in raising your children. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll point it out really honestly because it's, it's just, I know it's just hard to think about the world. So uh, I'm saying this and I'm proposing this. Church, we are your allies, okay? So we're not working against you uh, parents, but I'm working with your parents to help you uh, in raising your kids. And I hope that here at GBC, especially children, will find these things in this church. Three things I want to say. Belonging, 
As a church, may, may we make GBC a community of believers that look out for the best interest of others or for the best interest of our children to be other-centered so that people will feel included regardless of who they are. Also, right, allowing children to be partakers of what we do at church so that they will feel uh, they belong. Uh, so we're trying actually this out, how, how the church will, will stay with us for, for, for the whole uh, service. Secondly, authenticity. May they find that in our community, not somewhere else. May they find authenticity among us in our church and not somewhere else. The church must be a place where they find authenticity and not to experience just another version of society, of the community that they see out there. That even when they messed up, and, eat, and for sure they are going to mess up big time, that they will choose not to hide but instead they will come in humility to seek help to get them back up, to be forgiven, to experience forgiveness, that in the midst of suffering the consequences of their choices, that we will cheer them on. We will help them, uh, you know, we will help them uh, give them or provide them insights so that they will make better uh, choices. To be an adult, helping them to gain wisdom to go through this, you know, mundane and difficult um, life. So, sometimes children experience things that is beyond their developmental stage. And they need adults to be able to process those kinds of uh, hurts. Lastly, intentionality. Or, I would say, be missional. Families be missional. How are we preparing and nurturing them to be the, the, the hands and feet of Jesus? To be salt and light to be an example to their uh, friends, to be a children of hope, or to say it another way, we are sending our children to the world to be changers and not the ones being influenced. We turn that around, please. Oh, we're so scared that they're gonna be scared. But if they're grounded so deeply in, in God's truth and how you are building that confidence in them, they will go out there and they know what they're talking about, that they are so confident in God that they would just speak up and not like, you know, uh, shy and uh, they don't even tell their friends that they're Christians, right? We want kids who are confident. We want kids who know what to say when they're engaging in conversations with their friends. We want kids to excel in their academic pursuits. We want our kids who care for their friends. We want kids to be truthful in their words. We want kids to be grateful in what they have. We want them to be compassionate. So we just don't want children to behave. We just don't want children to behave. It's way better than that. We want our children who understand the why of such behavior. Most often than not, we will say, what do you mean? Shh, shh, shh. And why? Sometimes why is that? So. Think about Jesus. Jesus are friends with common people. He went to dinner party with tax collectors and sinners. He friends with them. He went there. He went with them. He ministered to people who are marginalized, who are outcast in the society. But when they encountered Jesus, they became a changed man. They encountered Jesus. They've been with Jesus. May we grow to be just a little of that, right? So in the following verses in Ephesians 4, verses 7, 
11 and 13 and 16 and 17 will show that the completion of the work done in Christ includes not only the activity of God, Christ and the Spirit, but also the mission, our conduct, and our action as uh, believers. We want faith in Jesus translated into behavior. It's not always correcting the behavior. We want a faith in Jesus that will be translated into actions. And that's, and now I talk to you about all two points, and that's long, I realized. What to do now? How will this look like for us at GBC, among us? How will that look like? In our Sunday school, as I said earlier, it's basically knowledge-based. Uh, because even if we give examples as relevant as we could be, uh, it's not a replacement of how you will drive this at home. If there's an object readily there that you can pick on and, 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 and expound on those skills that we're learning in Sunday school. So this is where we need to work alongside. Because you have more teaching moments than I do. And all the teachers who are uh, with us. Uh, realize parents that you have a more teaching moments than you uh, than us. So, for example, in Sunday school, uh, bear with me a little bit for this one because this is the practical side of what I've just talked about. For example, we teach the story of Daniel's friend. You know Daniel's friend? We talked about Daniel's friend who have the courage to defy the order of the king, the most powerful in that time, to bow to that golden image. And that's pressure, right? But we learned that these friends defy that. They did not obey that, even if they're threatened to be thrown in the blazing furnace. That's that's all I can I can say to your children. I can give them examples and examples while doing that. But at home, when your kids are telling about a pressure, how should I go? Should I not? How do I? What should they wear? The pressure that they that they experience at school that they they want to do as well. Help them process that by using these stories, and they would remember it better, right? Would you agree? Yeah, that's fear Franklin, just like this one. That they are to face a challenge like that. Or something like, if they spill the milk or something, how can we use that as a teaching moment? Hindi puro sermon. You know, sorry for those who don't understand Tagalog, uh, but what I'm saying is if they make mistakes, not like the everyday, how would you make this as a teaching moment? Because they would remember, right? So, or when you're driving them to school, make those opportunities. We don't have that as we always say, we're busy, we're busy and there. But make those counts, make those errors counts, or teaching moments, driving, going to McDonald's, bring them to groceries, Allow them, give them two dollars, just buy that for something, you know. Allow them to make choices. Involve them in your planning. Uh, the Jewish usually, if I ask them, do you have any plans for summer? Do you, uh, do you know? I don't know. What do you like? And then they don't know. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, these children. Is the parents really deciding for them everything? <laughs> I'm not picking on you. I'm just, I'm just, I want to have that conversation or collaboration with our parents so that I can serve them and I can teach them better. So, uh, again, listen to what they say, listen to what they feel. I'm sorry, I'm kind of like preaching on here, but think of some ways 
to make it a teaching moment. It will involve a bit of planning and creativity, uh, but be intentional in those moments. So I hope that this will encourage parents to dialogue with us, with our teachers, uh, volunteers, to John and, and myself here at GTC, uh, so that we will have that communication and transparency uh, with what issues uh, your children are having because whether you like it or not again we are the adults in the lives of your children we are that adults so we share common uh, vision and dreams for your kids and I want to to help you with that uh, and hope that you will also help us uh, understand a little bit better uh, your children and also some encouragement to our church leaders to continue planning how we can uh, best invest our resources in children and youth ages 5 to 14. They're keeping up, I know. So listen to this. A survey cited by the International Bible Society indicated that 83% of Christians make their first commitment to Jesus between ages 4 and 14. That's how critical this uh, age is. That is when they are children, they are children in early youth, they, they make the decisions. Survey done by the Barna Research Group indicate that American children, uh, ages 5 to 13, have a 32 probability of accepting Christ, but youth or teens, ages 14 to 18, have only 14% probability of doing so. Unbelieving adults, age 19 and over, have just a 6% probability of becoming Christians because they've been, you know, listening to different kinds of uh, teaching and, and, and thoughts. So this, this data illustrates the importance of influencing children to consider making decisions to follow Christ and embrace Him as Lord and as Savior. Many people serving as career cross-cultural missionaries have testified that they first felt God's calling to them as a missionary service during that age, 4 to 14 age period. Uh, so that's how critical these stages are, these children in our, in our midst. Uh, so again, and also so that we can offer more training for, for people who wanted to, be, to get involved in our children's ministry, who want to help us in, in this mission, uh, because we need to learn ways to communicate biblical truth to our children. Sometimes Maybe they will agree with what I will say here with the children. Sometimes the way we communicate God's word is legalistic requirement instead of a loving boundary. They hate rules. Teenagers hate rules, honestly. We know that. We went through teen teenage years and don't, don't, don't. How can we make, how can we communicate rules as a safety, as a protection for them, as their, for their own good? Because this rules are for, for, for them and it's and oftentimes we as I said we just say oh don't 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 how do how about we say more do's than don'ts right how about we say do than the than the don't than the don'ts so flip that or other times because we want to motivate them to go to church we say praising God and worshiping God at church we will do this in heaven we will do this for eternity and your children is thinking, if this is all we do at church, I don't want to go to heaven. Because we're communicating, heaven is like that. Um, or we want to share the gospel with the children. And we would say, believe in Jesus so that when you die, you go to heaven. 
and sometimes the response we get was is that the children would say then i will be leaving i will be 25 i have years to you know so those kind of things we need to learn how to better communicate biblical truth are you with me <laughs> another practical things that i would suggest or recommend or you want to try it out fun nights or we call it family nights other people who are more I, I don't want to say, <laughs> but family devotion. But sometimes it uh, it helps when we change terms or we take we change our language. Uh, you may want to change your family devotion into fun time. Which we, what I want to say is that it doesn't have to be a formal Bible study. Because when you say we'll have family devotion come, and your children in her mind. It's Bible study and you're gonna read the whole chapter of Numbers. You know? So they don't want, they don't, they, they're not looking forward to that. But if you plan as a parent, I'll make this movie at night, pick a character in the movie ahead of time, and ask intentional questions so that they would uh, process. Uh, so again, we have resources for these kind of things. Hopefully, so we can make that available. Uh, I did not compile yet, but I, I, I like, I'll, I'll tell you now. That there are some resources for those kind of things. Having fun nights uh, for that we have we have resources available and books available for that. And lastly, we can simply say, what can I do to help? How can I help? Example: picking up kids, uh, you know, being mindful, uh, carpooling. This this DVBS we experienced that, I, and I'm glad to see that. Oh, ako na magdadala sa kanya. Those kind of things. Or coming early to prepare rooms in our Sunday school classrooms because most sometimes uh, teachers even if they intend to come early you know life happens they, they don't come on time and if we have some extra hands to help us uh, prepare the room so that the teacher is not you know touching his uh, her breath to fix the room those kind of things simple things like that Invite a volunteer in our Sunday school for a coffee and talk about how their experiences in working children so that you can collaborate with some of our volunteers. And I'll tell you what, all of our volunteers, most of our volunteers are parents of school age children. Think about that for a second. They are mothers of school age children and that requires energy, a lot of planning and all that. And on top of that, they have a full-time job and then volunteer in our Sunday school ministry. So, uh, it's an invitation for you guys to come and uh, talk to us uh, so that uh, we will give you some work to do. <laughs> so I leave you with this question. What will I do that will outlive me? Every single one of us will ask, what will I do that will outlive me? Your car, your house, your job, your position, they will all be gone. I talked about this last time. But that you would remember that these children will remember us as an adult who would help them out. So for children, this is my charge to you. Knowing that you are God's masterpiece, you are designed by God, this church is rooting for you. We care for you. We want God's purposes for you to be fulfilled. We are here to guide you through as you discover that and develop your gifts. So we want to listen more to you about your questions and doubts to help you process things in life and to gain insights from the Word of God. 
So again, as a result of this saving grace, believers are enabled to produce good fruit, as our verses, which is God's intent for us. So my invitation is, let's work together, parents, aunties, lolas, whatever your role in these children's lives, that we would work together to continue the mission God has intended for, for us. And they've learned that in the mission station, the Apostle Paul, all these people who work for the truth of the world, those who stand for the truth, Martin, uh, Reformation, and we carry through that. What is it now today? How am I continuing that mission? So uh, that's all for me today. Uh, why don't we all pray? Let me pray for us. Oh.